The Storycast is brought to you by Audible.com. If you're like me, you love to read, but you don't have a lot of time. But what you do have is time in your car or mowing the lawn or rocking your kid to sleep. So get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audible.com slash storycast. Mom, mum, mummy, ma'am, mammy, mother, mommy, mama, madre, and even dear old ma. There are few things shared by every single human being on the planet who ever lived, and one of those precious things is having someone to call mom. In a world where we spend so much of our lives figuring out who we are and where we're going, we all know precisely where we came from. And at least most of us know the woman who made it all possible. Mothers are amazing, caretaking, providing, nurturing, teaching, miracle working, eyes in the backs of their heads, superheroes who wouldn't let you eat crackers before dinner, but still have the best shoulder to cry on at any age. And no matter who you are and what your relationship is with your mom, I'm sure she'd love a big hug right now. Because no matter how close or rocky things are with mom, that's who she is, a giver and a rock. Because one way or another, You'll always be her little baby. This time on the StoryCast, past, present, and future, it's all about mom. First, a few facts about the women who brought us into this world. There are over 2 billion moms on our planet. The average age of a new mom is 25 years old, and back in 1970, it was 21. 4.3 babies are born every single second in our world, and most births are consistently around July, which makes for a pretty busy October. Modern moms average two kids. Back in the 1950s, it was 3.5. In the 1700s, between seven and 10. Mrs. Vasilyev of Russia gave birth to 69 children between 1725 and 1765. And in 1994, Rosanna Corte in Italy gave birth to a baby boy when she was 63 years old. And back in 1955, another Italian mom, Signora Carmelina Fidele, gave birth to a bouncing boy who was just 22 pounds and 8 ounces. When it comes to household chores, women average 2.2 hours a day of work versus 1.3 for men. 88% of all of our laundry is done by our moms, totaling 330 loads of laundry per mother per year. And today, 72% of all moms with children over one year old work versus only 39% back in 1976. And how do we appreciate these hardworking moms? On Mother's Day, 68% of all of us plan to call our moms, totaling 122.5 million phone calls. And some 50% of households give Mother's Day cards, totaling some 152 million cards. But amazing acts of motherhood transcend Homo sapiens. The animal kingdom is flush with mothering matriarchs. Polar bear moms are some of the most dedicated ones out there. They gain over 200 pounds and spend nine months holed up in a tiny den in preparation for birth, 
where mom goes four to eight months without eating. Baby orangutans develop a fast, close bond to mom. They spend six to seven years with her, but even after they move out of the nest, orangutans will also visit their mothers until they reach the age of 15 or 16. And finally, after she lays an egg, an emperor penguin mom will walk 50 miles to the ocean to catch fish and then return to regurgitate that fish to the hatched chick. The male who has been keeping the chick warm while mom was away passes the chick back to the feet of the female who keeps him tucked close to her body to avoid the cold, which can kill a chick in just two minutes. Not only this, but a penguin mom has also been observed grieving for a young chick because they only lay one egg each year. So, no matter if you're an only child or one of many, or maybe even a mother yourself, these stories of moms might just make you pick up the phone a little quicker the next time she calls. And call, she will. In the 1940s, Vesta Stout, a mother with two sons serving the Navy, went to work in the Green River Ordnance Plant between Dixon and Amboy, Illinois, to do her part to help her sons and their fellow servicemen. So Vesta got a job at Green River inspecting and packing cartridges used to launch rifle grenades that were used by soldiers in the Army and the Navy. The cartridges were packed 11 to a box, and the boxes were taped and waxed to make them waterproof and damp-proof. The box flaps were sealed with thin paper tape, and a tab of tape was left loose so that it could be pulled to release the waterproof wax coating and open the box. The problem was that the thin paper tape wasn't strong enough, and the tabs frequently tore off when soldiers pulled on them to open the ammo boxes, leaving them frantically scrambling to claw the boxes open while under enemy fire. Lives were at risk, including the lives of her sons. So, Vesta Stout came up with a solution. Seal the boxes with a strong cloth-based waterproof tape instead of the thin paper tape. Vesta raised the issue with her supervisors, but although they thought it was a good idea, she wasn't getting anywhere with having it implemented. So Vesta Stout did what any other mom with two sons in the Navy in the 1940s would do. She wrote a letter to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt outlining the issue and telling him her idea on how to fix it. Here's what Vesta Stout had to say. I suggested we use a strong cloth tape to close seams and make a tab of the same. It worked fine. I showed it to different government inspectors and they said it was all right, but I could never get them to change the tape. Now I have two sons out there somewhere, one in the Pacific, the other with the Atlantic. You have sons in the service also. We can't let them down by giving them a box of cartridges that takes a minute or two to open the enemy taking their lives that could have been saved. Had the box been taped with a strong cloth tape that could be opened in a split second, I don't know who to write to, Mr. President, so have written you hoping for your boys, my boys, and every man that uses the rifle grenade that this package of rifle cartridges may be taped with the correct tape. Roosevelt, he sent Vesta's letter to the War Production Board in Washington, D.C., and just a few weeks later in March, she received a series of replies from higher-ups in the organization saying that her idea would be considered, that it was being forwarded to the appropriate division, and they hoped she would send them any other ideas that she had in the future, and finally that her recommendation for the new tape had been approved and was of, quote, exceptional merit, 
On March 26, 1943, Vesta Stout received a letter letting her know that her idea for tape had been approved. Because of Johnson & Johnson's long experience making surgical adhesive tapes, the War Production Board asked them to make the tape, which was nicknamed Duck Tape, because as the story goes, it was waterproof, like a duck, and it was made with cotton duck fabric. The tape soon became to be known as 100 mile an hour tape in the military, and because it was strong and waterproof, soldiers used it to repair just about everything. Vesta Stout received another letter from President Roosevelt and earned the Chicago Tribune's War Worker Award for her idea and persistence. So, duct tape was born, the result of a mother trying to help her sons, and the president's sons, and everyone else's sons, during World War II. Vesta Stout showed that one person with an idea really can make a difference, and everyone who served and continues to serve in the military owes Vesta a life-saving debt of gratitude. And for those of us who just love duct tape, lives depending on it or not, the next time we repair a lawn chair or the base of a fan or make one of those fancy duct tape wallets or prom dresses, maybe we'll just take a moment to remember Vesta Stout and to thank her for this indispensable piece of modern life inspired by a little creative ingenuity and some persistence and quite a bit of love for her sons who are out there fighting a war somewhere on the ocean. From sunup to sundown, and all those errant, alleged sleeping hours in between, mothers never stop working. There are so many domestic family-raising responsibilities within the home, but moms are also vital providers outside the home as well. From single mothers to the predominantly prevalent dual-income household, mothers of children of all ages head into work every day. Each 24-hour period bookended with the same daily duties that any parent undertakes. A recent Pew Research study found that as a matter of public opinion, just 12% of us think that a mother should work full-time. 40% of us think that a mother should only work part-time. And 42% of us think that a mother should not work at all. But contrary to that, 61% of all mothers work full-time jobs outside of the home. The percentage of those working mothers who say they sometimes or frequently feel stressed, 86%, and 40% of those say they always feel rushed. Finally, of those full-time working mothers, 62% would prefer to work part-time. But for one working mom, having to work at all is the problem itself. This story comes from mommyish.com's anonymous mom column. It's a confession written by Anonymous and read by Claire, the hard-working mother of my children. In this era of non-judgment, it's the mother of all crimes to question a mother's choices about her family. But what about when you question those choices yourself? 
Or more importantly, what if they were never really choices to begin with? I don't like being a working mother. I don't want to be a working mother. And if I had any alternative, I would take it. I work because I have to. My dear husband has a good and noble, read, modestly paid career. And that is one of the things I've always loved about him. Although I lack his passion, through average intelligence and perhaps too much education, I somehow ended up in a well-paid career I care little about. I do like my job, but I am by no means passionate about it. Before I was a mother, it was fulfilling enough, but now it's just the beast that keeps me from being the mom I want to be. When my son was born, I took three months of semi-paid maternity leave and psyched myself up for being a working mother. I picked up some new clothes and heels and got to know my pump, but as the days of my leave ticked down, I realized that nothing about going back to work excited me. Not the work itself, boring and relatively unimportant, not the people, mere acquaintances. As I approached the big day, I started hatching escape plans in my mind. In the end, running away with my baby to live off the land did not seem reasonable, so I packed up a cooler full of empty bottles and some extra nursing pads and shuffled off to work. Now that I'm back to work, it's everything I expected. Exhausting, unfulfilling, and sad. I work hard, and instead of taking breaks, I'm hooked up to the breast pump. The baby is still up several times at night, and I cry each day from loneliness and exhaustion behind my closed office door. By the time I get home, my son is hungry and tired. I feed him, put him to bed, and if I'm lucky, I have enough time to read the notes his caregiver left about what he did that day in an attempt to feel more involved. During the week, I exist in the outskirts of his life. I'm just the woman who makes the milk. On Facebook, I see my friends who are home with their children. These parents post photos of themselves at the park or share the crafts that they've worked on with their toddlers all day and my heart aches. I squeeze in what time with my son I can on the weekends, but two out of seven days with my boy just isn't enough. I turn to the internet for support and there is no shortage of materials out there touting the benefits of being a working mom. Time with adults, challenges that allow you to use all your training and education, setting a good example. But all of these articles and blogs are written in support of a woman's choice to work. Sure, they describe the challenges of being a working mom, but they also describe women who either love their jobs and love working, or who voluntarily re-entered the workforce because they wanted to. Just as there is very little written about the plight of the father who has to work to support his family, I find that there is very little about the mother who, due to financial circumstances, must take on the role of the working mother. I also look at my friends who are working mothers and remind myself that I'm not the only woman who does this. But sometimes I feel like the only woman who really doesn't enjoy my career. Does everyone else have more job fulfillment than I do? Are they more used to this? Or are we not allowed to talk about being unhappy with our lot because it will be seen as a step back for mothers in the workplace? The rosy picture of the working mother is not a reality for everyone. It isn't always a decision women make because they want to use their professional skills or want time out of the house or want to show their children that women have an important role in the workplace. When one weighs her options and selects what is best for her, it's easy to cheer her on for doing what she thinks is best. And it's easy to get angry with those who criticize her decision. What frustrates me is the lack of acknowledgement of those of us who have to work or who in alternative have to stay home. In these days of non-judgment, 
It feels like everyone is so intent on not offending mothers or jeopardizing their status in the workplace that no one is willing to admit that for some of us, having to work isn't actually all that great. We all have a mother, but I'm not talking about your mom. I'm talking about this planet, Mother Nature. If there was ever a phrase we hated hearing from our moms, it was, I told you so. People like to call it a hotbed issue or up for political debate, but climate change is real and we do have something to do with it and we can make a difference. And just as our mothers guide us and warn us and shed a tear when we do it all wrong, such it is with Mother Nature as she keeps a watchful eye on how we are treating this planet. So if we care about the future of our home, we need to care for Mother Nature before it's too late. Prince E. is an American rapper, spoken word artist, video director, and rights activist from St. Louis, Missouri. He created this powerful piece to inspire us to think about how our daily decisions fit in with Mother Nature's future. This is Man vs. Earth. Fun fact. Planet Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Mankind, about 140,000 years old. Let me put that in perspective. If you condense the Earth's lifespan into 24 hours, that's one full day, then we have been here on this planet for, drum roll please, three seconds. Three seconds. And look what we've done. We have modestly named ourselves Homo sapiens, meaning wise man. But is man really so wise? Smart, yes, and it's good to be smart, but not too smart for your own good. Yes, we have split the atom. Yes, we build clever machines that navigate the universe in search of new homes, but at the same time, those atoms we split created nuclear warfare. In our quest to explore the galaxy, rejects and neglects the home that we have here now, so no, that cannot be wisdom. Wisdom is different. While intelligence speaks, wisdom listens, and we willingly covered our ears to Mother Nature's screams and closed our eyes to all of her help-wanted signs. Wisdom knows that every action has an equal and opposite reaction, so if we were wise, we would not be shocked when we see storms that are stronger than ever before, or more drought, hurricanes, and wildfire than ever before, because there's more pollution than ever before, more carbon, more trees cut down than ever before. At a record pace, we have increased the extinction of animals by 1,000 times the normal rate. What a feat. In the next 10 to 100 years, every beloved animal character in every children's book is predicted to go extinct. Lion gone, rhinos gone, tiger, gorilla, elephant, polar bear gone in three seconds. Species that have been here longer than us will be gone because of us in this three seconds. In an existence shorter than a Vine video, we turn the circle of life into our own personal conveyor belt. Somebody, anybody help. We were given so much, the only planet in this solar system with life. I mean, we are one in a million. No, actually, scientifically, we are one in a billion, trillion, trillion. That's a one followed by 33 zeros. And I don't want to get too spiritual, but how are we not a miracle? We are perfectly positioned to the sun so we don't burn, but not too distant so we don't turn to ice. 
twice. Goldilocks said it best. We are just right. This paradise where we are given medicine from trees. Not coincidentally, but because like the song says, we are family. Literally, everything, every species is connected genetically from the sunflower to the sunfish. And this is what we must recognize before it's too late because the real crisis is not global warming, environmental destruction, or animal agriculture. It is us. These problems are symptoms of us, byproducts of us, our inner reflection. Loss of connection has created this misdirection. We have forgotten that everything contributes to the perfection of Mother Nature. Corporations keep us unaware and disconnected, but they have underestimated our strength. Contrary to popular belief, millions are waking up out of their sleep, seeing our home being taken right up under our feet. We cannot allow our history to be written by the wicked, greedy, and loony. It is our duty to protect Mother Nature from those who refuse to see her beauty. Call me crazy, but I believe we should have the right to eat food that's safe with ingredients we can pronounce. Drink water that is clean, marvel at trees, breathe air free of toxins. These are natural rights, not things that can be bargained for in Congress. See, they want you to feel powerless, but it has been said that something as small as the flutter of a butterfly's wing can cause a typhoon halfway around the world. Well, when enough people come together, we too will make waves and watch the world into a new era filled with love and connection, freedom for all without oppression. But it is up to you, yes, you watching this behind this screen to make the effort because time is of the essence and only together can we make it to the fourth second. The Storycast will be back in two weeks with more eclectic stories wrapped in an intriguing theme. The Storycast is supported by you every time you click on our Amazon banner and shop. So head over to storycastpodcast.com and click or bookmark our Amazon ad and we get a kickback on every order you make every time. Simple as that. Thanks.